It's a, it's up there. Anyway. <laughs> hey, we're more than halfway to 100. Yeah, we're more than halfway to okay. 100. Way more than okay. halfway to 100. We're good. We're good. Welcome to the Beyond the Cubicle podcast. You know what this is. The podcast where we want to help you get promoted and make more money, but also help you become a better human in the process. Yes, keep your sanity. Yeah. Special episode today. Special, special, special episode today. Mm. Um, we actually had the founder and CEO of our sponsor, Brand Resumes, on. Y'all gonna love this. Listen, Brandon <laughs> is an amazing, an amazing uh, person, man. Uh, young guy, 23 years old, mm. struck out on his own. Mm. Um, started his own resume writing service mm-hmm. and is killing it, mm. killing it. Okay, but back to our earlier point, yeah. he did go learn. No, he went to learn what what business was all he about. He went to learn what business was oh, about. Man. He went to learn what business was about. Yeah. So in this particular episode, and this is going to be broken up into a couple, but in this particular episode, you're going to learn a little bit about Brandon's background. Um, uh, where he got his work ethic from. Man, love his drive. You know what I'm saying? Love and ha- how it was shaped. We also deep dive into um, the process of resumes, mm-hmm. the importance of it, mm-hmm. uh, common mistakes, and the philosophy around how you should approach it depending on the different phases of your career, whether you're just striking out, whether you're a mid-career professional, or whether you are a seasoned vet, as I like to call it. Mm-hmm. So, so, so. Yeah. So, sit back and enjoy this conversation we had yes. with, uh, with Brandon. Yes, yes. Right after the intro. I'm from Uniondale, New York. Um, so born and raised on Long Island. So it's so kind of like the southern part of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm one of six, so I'm kind of like the middle child. So growing up, I've always kind of been, you know, fighting for, um, <laughs> you know, attention. Right. Um, and I'm a proud alumnus of SUNY Plattsburgh. So it's a, you know, small state school, school um, upstate New York. Um, so I studied finance, economics, and MIS. So I was actually a triple major. Um, so a lot of work, a lot of studying. Mm. Um, and yeah, that's that's uh, that was that was that's kind of where I went to school. Um, kind of chose that because in New York, you know, you kind of have the option. You can go to a state school, which is a little bit cheaper, or you can go to a private university. Um, but at that time, I was just like, you know what, want to stay in, you know, local. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not too local, but stay in New York. I uh, just kind of get away, you know. I felt, and that was kind of what the best thing that happened to me, just getting out there. Um, so yeah, so born and raised in New York. Um, so, so what what was the original plan uh, for your career? Because you said you you triple majored. Hey man, <laughs> big props to that. Um, I tried right. double and then bumped it down to a major and a minor. Um, but what was the original plan for your your original vision for your career when when you were kind of triple major in there? Yeah. So when I first came into university, I started as a finance major because um, mm-hmm. growing up, I was like really, really close to just business and things like that. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. Mm-hmm. Um, my dad owns a driving school. So growing up, I always saw him, you know, you know, with clients and running things like that. Um, and then soon, soon after I got to speak to my career advisor, because, you know, in your college, everybody, you know, everybody gets a, an advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I said, he said, well, you know, you can add on economics for, you know, a few more credits. And I said, you know what, I'm here. I'm going to I'm here to work. I'm mm-hmm. here to get a job. So that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then kind of took on the MIS because as I was progressing through my education, I kept hearing, you know, this, this like you got to get something in technology. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that time, 
my mom was really driving a really big driving force. She kept saying, you know, everybody on my job keeps talking about this MIS thing, which stands for management information systems. Mm -hmm. Um, What it really is, is you get to understand databases, uh, database management, how to kind of maneuver through kind of things like Microsoft Access and has a cybersecurity component on there. Mm -hmm. So with all that, I was, you know, I was just really just curious as to what that is with like computers growing up. Um, And so the original goal was to, funny enough, become an investment banker. Really? <laughs> nice. Yes. Yeah, so that was yeah. That was that was the big thing because I like I said I started with the finance and in finance you can take a lot of career paths. You can become like a financial advisor. Mm-hmm. Um, you can become obviously like a finance manager, controller somewhere. But also if you want to go for one of those more lucrative careers, you want to say investment banker. So for those who don't know, investment banker, you typically work um, on mergers and acquisitions. So when companies mm-hmm. buy and sell each other. Um, you kind of go in there, do some of that financial due diligence, mm-hmm. that research, that just like everything that that's needed to um, essentially help a, cus- a company as they're transitioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was really interested in kind of the stock market at that time as well. I was really, really involved heavily. And that's the, the big thing with me is like when I got to college, I said, hey, I got to get involved. It's I'm not here to waste time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like the treasurer of what we called uh, SMIF, which stand for the Student Management Investment Fund. So essentially, so, some colleges have endowments. Um, for us, since it was a small state school, right. um, someone, I think an, an alumni may have donated about $10,000 or so. So we would go in and every semester uh, buy and sell stocks and do different things like that. So I kind of fell into love with stocks. And, you know, in, in that in that in that whole um, in the whole environment, um, yeah, just kind of deep dived into that and learned about like fundamental analysis, mm-hmm. technical analysis, a little bit more on the stock trading side. Um, but yeah, you know, I really wanted to be an investment banker because at that time, you know, you're a freshman, you're a sophomore, you're looking at these salaries like, yeah. whoa, <laughs> I'm trying to get paid. Absolutely. <laughs> you got Wall Street, baby. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of like a dream. Like when you come from a s- small state school, you don't go to a big name school. You get just want to you want to aspire to kind of that 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 highest kind of mm-hmm. salary. Um, so, yeah, originally it was an investment banker. And then um, for me, it was really interesting because my sophomore year, um, I was able to join some really good organizations, one um, called NABA. So shout out to NABA. Yep. It stands for the National Association of Black Accountants. Yep. Um, and through NABA, I was able to get exposed to um, what they consider the Eastern Regions Conference. So every year um, and it's like the whole I think they do some on the West Coast as well, but they'll get all the student chat. Chapters. So I was a chapter of SUNY Plattsburgh. There was a chapter of like all the SUNY schools and just all, and everything on the East Coast. So they have like a, an annual, um, essentially a meeting. So they bring together tons of chapters. And that was kind of my first touch point because I walked into this building and I was like, wow, the mm-hmm. amount of black professionals. Mm-hmm. Way. And at the time I was a sophomore, so I wasn't really exposed to, you know, coming. I went to school again all the way upstate New York. Right, so right, you, can, right. you can imagine the, the uh, demographic of up course, there. Of course. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was just like such an exposure to so many black professionals really doing big things. Um, and that's kind of how I got my first touch point into consulting, because I didn't really know much about consulting at that time. It wasn't a career path that they spoke about a lot in college. Right. Um, and through that conference, I was able to meet a recruiter. And that's why I'm, I stress networking. Right. Because no, I went absolutely. to that career fair. I mean, the whole the whole experience. And I just, you know, I didn't know what to expect. And the best thing is, you know, going somewhere and not expecting anything. Right. You just don't know what's going to develop. And right, so right. Just through networking and talking to some folks, I was able to land an interview on the spot, which then led to because they kind of had like a, like a, a Thursday, Friday, Saturday conference. Mm-hmm. So Friday, Thursday, you'd meet some people. Friday, you'd have like a career fair. And then if you landed an interview on, on, on the spot Saturday, you would then go in and actual and actually interview like on site. 
And what's funny through the whole process, you know, I didn't have a, a big GPA either. I was like a 3.1 and I always kind of finessed it saying, you know what, you know, I have a 3.1, but I'm doing X, Y, and Z. Exactly. So you should right, really right, look at right. GPA. <laughs> right. And the crew was like, yeah, she was like, yeah, you know what, that sounds great. GPA isn't is in, is in everything. Um, so I was one of the lucky few and I was able to land um, that interview. And what they did is they actually flew me from SUNY Plattsburgh, so five hours you know, away upstate into New York City to do what they consider a super day. So super day, so a lot of the big four consulting firms, what they consider as a super day is they'll have um, essentially speed, like uh, interview sessions, so back to back right, to back, right. within like a three, four hour span. So you get assigned a host right. and they'll literally just take you throughout every interview. You'll literally leave one. It says, okay, you're ready to go interview with the partner. You're like, what? Yep. And then you walk into a room and interview with the partner. <laughs> right. So I guess they just try and stress test you, make sure mm -hmm. that, you know, you can c remain that same consistent, you know, interview and keep your posture and you can, you know, handle yourself under pressure. Mm -hmm. um, so that's that's kind of how I got into consulting. Mm -hmm. And once I found out about, you know, the big four and mm -hmm. I just, it just, it just took it from there. That seems <laughs> intense though. Like just, so, I mean, I, I thought group interviews were, were so that's speed. That's that speed thing is, is, but you know, the interesting thing, and you said something about, Networking, and we kind of have a a, a a mantra. We focus on performance, image, exposure, and spirituality. Absolutely. But exposure is huge. Now, the underpinning is is spirituality, but the exposure is huge. How important was that? As you got to see the big four and talk to the different folks, what happened to you? What did you learn from that process? For me, I mean, it really opened my eyes, right? Because I would consider myself, I was in a bubble, you know, upstate in New York. We didn't have a lot of exposure to some of these big, you know, uh, mm -hmm. these big companies, right? Mm -hmm. Like we would mm -hmm. see, you know, not to say that these are smaller companies, but Target and then some of the, like the other regional mm -hmm. kind of, you mm -hmm. know, companies up there. So when I was placed in that type of environment with all these companies, I'm talking about JP Morgan, mm -hmm. Lloyd, you know, right. PwC, Ernst mm -hmm. & Young, you know, mm -hmm. for me, it was just like, wow. You got to be in the building. It's the big leagues. If you're oh, not yeah. in the building, you, oh, yeah. you like your name can't be called. Right? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely, sure. yeah. absolutely. And so it just changed my whole started, and that's just when I was in you know university. Started to change my mindset. Like, whoa, this networking thing is huge, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because if I didn't show up, and if I didn't say, you know what, I should probably be there. I would have never got that opportunity, and True. if I didn't get that opportunity, I wouldn't have been able to really you know make something of it. Yeah. Um, so for me, I mean, I, I think that's huge. And that's something that I tell everybody, especially the clients that I advise today on the, on the brand resume side is like, you know, when you look at your job search a little bit, you, you can't just, you know, have a resume or get a good LinkedIn profile. I think that's it. It's a multifaceted strategy, right? right? You got to go to these networking events. So let's say you want to be an accountant, mm -hmm. go to those accountant conferences, Absolutely. go to those accountant, you know, all those different things. You go to Eventbrite, you can find a, a bunch of things, just run a Google search, you know, yeah. um, and show up, you know, showing up is half the battle. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, so you mentioned that you, uh, you, you were one of one of six siblings, right? <laughs> so, so how would you say that, like your your upbringing, kind of prepared you for, uh, well, two things, right? Your your current your current trajectory as an entrepreneur, but also just even uh, when you were in the, the the corporate space, how would you say your upbringing kind of influenced that, like the way that you approached it? Yeah, I think for me, um, it was a little bit personal mm -hmm. because I was like I said I was one of six and you know I'm the, the, actually the, the middle child and so when I looked at my older siblings none of them really had college degrees mm -hmm. right like a four-year college degree and so I you know had a conversation with with my mother one day when I was a senior um, in high school and I said you know mom like I want to be your first son who has a four-year degree in something and so um, 
with that kind of passion and that just drive behind me, mm-hmm. I just wanted to make sure that I made something of myself. And, you know, when I went to college, I said, hey, you know, I don't care if I get a job. I don't care if, you know, I make $20,000 when I graduate or $100,000. I just want to get a job. Right. Mm-hmm. And I kind of had that in the back of my head the whole time. Um, but, you know, I think my, my, my upbringing played a, a big part of it. And I always tell you know, people a funny story about me is that I know I was going to be an entrepreneur from a very young age. So uh, what a lot of people don't know is that when I was uh, in kindergarten and I, my memory is impeccable. So I was in kindergarten. I got in trouble one time and I got in trouble because I was in kindergarten in my in my class and I was making these paper purses and wallets. Right. So wow, I would okay. get some. I would get some tape together and yeah. I would make them and, and I would craft them up and I would draw on them. You know, I was in kindergarten with all these little kids. Yeah. And the funny thing is I start sell, I started selling these things. <laughs> and these kids was buying these paper purses and paper wallets and, you know, I ended up getting in trouble and things like that. But I knew from that, that age because I literally walked away one day with like $30 and my mom was like, boy, where'd you get all this money from? <laughs> I was like, I was, you know, I was, I was doing this and I was doing that. And it's like those, those, those funny things from your childhood that you just can look back and say, you know what, was, maybe that was the start. Yeah, know, it was there. Kind yeah. of that, that mindset. It was yeah. there. Um, but yeah, I think my, my upbringing and just being the middle child and always wanting that attention because, you know, you, you know, six kids, my mom had to, yeah. you know, split her time across, you know, the bunch and I was a middle child. So yeah, it definitely, definitely uh, played a role for sure. Yeah. Uh, I always, always kind of say like our, our first stab at our careers mm-hmm. are us trying to satisfy something in terms of like pleasing our parents. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then, and then our, our, our second act is what I like it's to call it. It's usually where we, it's yeah. kind of where, where, where we yeah. find our passion and that thing that drives us. And it could either still be in the corporate space or it could be in, on an entrepreneurial track or something yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so let's, let, let's, let's deep dive into, into the, the resume business a little Dude. bit. Right. Um, and then, then after that, we want to pick your brain on just, just, uh, just the job experience, job search experience, and that type of thing, and just some trends that you're seeing, philosophies, and that type of thing, right? But um, <laughs> yeah, but in terms, terms of resumes, because I, I have peers that that I, I know are kind of currently in the job market, um, but for something that's so key, right? In your experience, do you feel like people underestimate the care that should be given to preparing their resume? Oh, absolutely. Um, I feel like it's one of the most important pieces of your job search experience. It's that first touch point, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Before someone, you know, looks at your profile or anything like that, they need to see your resume. Right. And, you know, you and they say it all the time, you need to look good on paper. Yep. Right. And I feel like with the resume, it's a certain way that you should construct this document. And it's funny because. You know, I did an analysis on how on the word count of a resume mm-hmm. on average. It's about 400 words. You think about 400 words. That's an words, essay. Right? That's, yeah. It's, it's a short essay. Yeah. But the way that that 400 words is architected and the way that you construct that verbiage mm-hmm. makes a world of difference. It's right. like the yes or no, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so in terms of prep, some people, they just, they just go out there. Um, or a lot of times, they'll have a, a resume from high school. Mm-hmm. And they'll be using that for like seven eight nine years yeah and, and that's just not what you should be doing right like you should you should definitely invest and even if you don't go to a professional there's a lot of other ways that you can go ahead and start your job search off the right way mm-hmm. but that resume is a very instrumental part of the of the job seeking equation right right um and you know resumes have, have been around for a while now so it's like you know if you do want to kickstart off your job search right that's one of the, the, the key it. things that you should take the time to prepare for mm-hmm. um and and get and get it reviewed by you know at the very least you know someone who um 
you know, is in a position like a, maybe like a management position or, or something like that. If you don't right. seek out a, a professional assistance. Now, now, Brandon, to your point, your point, and we've laughed and talked about it. Sadly, <laughs> laughed and talked about yeah. it. Yeah, I've been in HR about thirty years, mm-hmm. and poorly written resumes have created so many Saturday Night Live moments for people in the <laughs> HR department. Now, I, this is a real one I'm going to tell you. I came out of the room one day, some, some company I was working for, and there was a sister there, and she said, I'm mad, but I can't say anything. So she pulls me into a little office, and she shows me this resume. This is a college graduate. And we read the resume, and obviously I was able to to ascertain the ethnicity of this college graduate, as did everybody else in the conference room. So nobody wanted to laugh out loud because she was the only person that might have matched up to this person's ethnicity. So we went into a room, because we shared the same ethnicity, closed the door and laid over on the desk, (laughs) howling. (laughs) We were sad in one point, but we almost could not believe that somebody that had been to school had written this. How do you, and, and you can help me, I'm, this is from the real, how can you go to school that long and have no idea of, of what a verb is or a participle or a subject or a predicate? How can you go to that much school? You know all the dumb papers we wrote? Yeah. How, have you seen this? And I know you have, but your experience yeah. of running into this. I, I I see it all the time, right? So on our website, we actually have into implemented a free resume critique process, right? So what people can do, they can go ahead and upload their resume to, directly to our website, and we'll review it, and we'll give you a call back, and maybe just discuss a few things, and then see if you engage your interest in starting um, you know, with the process. Mm-hmm. And through that process, I mean... <laughs> what you see, you see a, a, a wide spectrum of, of you know, people, right? You get the yeah. people who, you know, just graduated. And sometimes we, we, we really assess it. And I use it as almost like a, a training for my, my, my new folks who kind of join the team. It's like, look, you know, this person graduated. You could take two, two graduates mm-hmm. night and day, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Two professionals night and day. Absolutely. And really, I use that as a training. But, um, yeah, I'd say like 80 to 90% of people. I mean, it's just like... I don't know where they get these formats. I yeah. don't know where, like, it, there's a disconnect between, you know, the formatting and the consistency and things like that. But, Absolutely. You know, well, the, I'd say, and, 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 and then it's, it's, I guess it's even worse sometimes when you are a mid-career professional. Yes. So, for example, um, we had this, this, uh, this one lady come to us um, to do her resume. And she didn't end up buying the service. So I'll, I'll kind of start with that. Mm-hmm. Um, and she was like, you know, Brandon, I was on VH1 before. I was like, with celebrities, mm. um, and I'm looking for a hundred and eighty thousand, uh, hundred eighty thousand dollars a year salary. Mm. And I was like, okay, mm. that, that seems great. Right. I was like, well, you know, she's like, yeah, I want to become like a senior uh, marketing manager and all this stuff and stuff. And I, and I was like, great. Let me see your resume because she's like, I've been applying for about nine months and I haven't heard anything back. And I was like, this gets me thinking. I was like, okay, like that's like a senior executive salary. Okay, yeah. what's what's going on here? It, it, it must it must be the resume. So she sends me the resume. Mm-hmm. I open it up. It's weak. <laughs> this resume was about three run-on paragraphs. Oh. In purple text. Whoa. Mm. Uh, had a picture of her Mm-mm. dog on the left. Nope. No. 
missing uh, periods, no. commas, no. Um, and it had her hobbies, right? Mm-hmm. So she enjoys walking her dog. And the conversation that I had to have with this client, <laughs> with this potential client, was, you know, and, and it's, it's something I have a lot, you know, it's a, and it's a very candid conversation. Right. You need to get serious about your job search. If you think you're going to make $180,000, there is no way mm-hmm. that you're going to be able to take that document and give it to, you know, because when you're looking at that type of salary, you're looking at executive search, yeah. right? Yeah. You're looking at people who, like, you send them a resume, yes. like, they are ready to literally match you with, yes. okay, this, you know, because that's, that's the level that you're playing at with yes. that salary, mm-hmm. right? Um, and so she seemed like she had the years of experience. She seemed like she, on the phone, she yeah. was very qualified for the role that she was looking for. But the level of professionalism just wasn't yep. there for yep. her resume. Yep. And I felt I felt bad because, I, you know, I had to tell her, like, hey, you know, we really need to re- – we need to top to bottom. We yes. need to really reconstruct up this entire document. And the craziest thing, she said, you know what? I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I'll think about it. I'll think and, about it. Wow. And that's where we left off. And, but um, to your point, yeah. I – see it all the time, all the time. Uh, and what's what's worse is you know when someone just graduates from college because it's like that's that point where you know you spent 30 40 fifty thousand dollars and if not over a hundred thousand dollars for a oh, college man. degree you you need a job like that is the most important <laughs> part of, of of the process like you yeah. go you spend four years you're here to get a job but if you don't take that with the same level of seriousness that you took your your, your classes and your coursework mm-hmm. it, yeah. it just it just won't really work out so let me ask you this uh resumes right now uh there are so many aggregators how do the monster.coms and all of the resume aggregators mm-hmm. how do they decide to pick your resume and send it to a client Right. And, you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because this this kind of technique has grown over time. Right. Mm-hmm. You look at before these um, what's cons- and what the term is, is an applicant tracking system. And I'll kind of dive into mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at, you know, maybe 20, 30 years ago before they had all these kind of you know softwares that mm-hmm. were really doing a lot of this parsing, mm-hmm. you know, typically resumes were handed out. In, in paper, like in person, you would mm-hmm. show up with your resume and resume paper, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, look, look great, and then they would hand it to the hiring manager, and then they would, you know, read through that and really take a fine look at it and maybe mark it up mm-hmm. and then hand it to, to someone else. But in today's kind of job seeking atmosphere, it's too many applicants, right? It's too it's, many. It, yeah. For one job or two jobs, right? Right, right? And so that the way that these aggregators work, this, these monster.coms and, you know, these Indeeds and ZipRecruiters, mm-hmm. and I can go on and on and on about all these different job boards, but what they look to do. And it's not really the job boards. The, the job boards is really like the central location where you're essentially uploading it, right? So then it kind of gets into the universe. And what happens is that these HR managers and these recruiters, they're paying these job boards X amount of dollars per month to pull these resumes, right? So they may be on a plan where they can pull, let's say, 500 resumes right. for X amount of dollars, right? right, right, so, right. Once, so once these HR and recruiters are pulling these resumes, right? So they're, they're using a separate software. In that software that they're using, which typically is considered an applicant tracking system, they will go ahead and um, set parameters, right? So you look at my ass, right? I got the, 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 the um, tech hat on. But essentially, it's looking to parse keywords that are relevant to the specific job title that they may be recruiting for. Got it. And that's just one piece, right? So they can, let's say, I want all resumes that have this keyword, right? Or they, And then they might say, I want all resumes that are less than two pages, right? Because sometimes, and I tell mm. you, people got five-page resumes. No, no one's not good. It. Not good. Right? So they set all these parameters in place so that when they are doing these targeted searches for, because people don't want to waste their time. Right, right. Like, right. Time is money. Right. So when they're running these searches, they want to find, like, 
they want to get these candidates right um and so that's what they're doing right they're they're looking to find the keywords they're looking to find resumes that aren't that don't have these like grammatical and these uh, punctuation errors and things like that and that's why it's very important and i i could say like number one thing is just run a spell run a spell check on your resume mm. right because you wouldn't believe someone would hand your resume and say oh this is yeah this is this is my uh you know like, like this is what i have to show you and then if you can skim a resume in seven to eight seconds and you spot oh man nope, nope, nope. <laughs> yeah and it's like yeah how can someone take you if you don't have the time to sit there and prepare a 400 word document how can i then trust you to review um, you know, three, four documents for a client. How can I then trust you? And so then it, it, you start that conversation, right? It's, right? it's bigger than the resume, right? Right. That's right. your character, right? You know, if you can't, if not, if you can't, you know, sit and 